0: I'm starting this, <laughs> what's what a change from the norm as it might usually Such prepared self, I think you should leave that in. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I know, I should actually. Yeah, fuck it. Hi, welcome to episode number 48 of the Perth to Paisley podcast. As you heard, we're not really prepared for this episode, but yeah, hi, it's absolutely roasting, so that's why there's a fan here because, yes, remember. There's never a visual element to this podcast. It's on YouTube if you want to see how absolutely roasting we are, how terrible the hairs get in. It's just an absolute nightmare. But I, as always, am Daniel, lovingly joined by my co-host Adam. Adam, how you doing?
1: I'm good, thank you, mate. What about yourself? Looking forward to uh, discussing some recent fixtures regarding the jam tarts.
0: Yeah, it's, it's going to be very, very good. It is just hot. Adam and me just got into an argument before we start recording about how hot it is because whilst the entirety of the UK is accepting of how ridiculously hot Adam is just like that is not where you are you're there you're there he's just like nah it's not even that hot so actually first question why don't you
1: think it's that hot? (laughs) I was expecting heart-related questions no this is Um, what we're starting with because it's not I mean uh, this is is one of my gripes we'll get into obviously my heart-related gripes later on but See when you're having like your tea outside in Scotland, I'm not I'm not a fan, you know like barbecues and all that. I, I love going abroad and eating outside because it's genuinely warm. When it's you outside, genuinely warm snow. No it's not, mate. It's not. It's you're different. Mental. You're <laughs> absolutely <laughs> mental. Absolutely mental. It's
0: currently, as we record this in my flat, twenty five degrees. I'm not buying that.
1: Look, I mean I'll take this off later on, but that's
0: this is mental. If, this is if, not if,
1: it's, if it's going to trigger you that much, I'll take it off later on. But for now, I'm calm. You're insane. You're Whoa. absolutely
0: insane. It's not mental. that warm. Right, let's get everybody, that's all I want, the comments and the replies and the tweets to this podcast, just calling it this idiot for saying that in one of the hottest Julys we've had in years that it's not actually that hot. But what are you
1: saying? We'll get some poll on the go on Twitter? Yes, exactly.
0: Is it hot? I have a feeling I know which way that poll go. A simple I go. or not. Yeah, exactly. But anyway... You haven't accidentally clicked on a different podcast that we started, <laughs> consulting the weather and the climate change that we're We're not about active. to bring
1: out Sean Batty or some other special guest. Exactly.
0: We're here to speak about Hearts, a team that, since we last spoke, has played two games, one competitive and one friendly, against Cove and Sunderland respectively, so we're going to get into all of that, speak about transfers or the lack thereof, and then preview as this is going out tonight's game against Ireland Albion in the Premier Sports Cup. But we'll start with the Premier Sports Cup action. Cove Rangers, Paul Hartley's Cove Rangers, travelled to Town Castle on Tuesday night. And we spoke about it. I actually last week said it was going to be the hardest game of the group, which kind of didn't end up happening. You were there. So first of all, I wanted to actually ask you this. What was the process like going into Town Castle? Like, Obviously, there was around 2,000 fans there and all the stadium was used it wasn't just you were all pushed into the main stand or something like that so did it feel very different did it feel like you had to be like all right okay i have to i can't go here i have to specifically go there or did it just kind of feel like everybody knew what they were doing and got on with it kind of thing
1: do you know it didn't feel all that different when you're sort of walking up to tiny and when you're coming in the turnstile it's only really when you take to your seat that it was a bit odd because me and my pals were located, I think we were main stand section S, um, and we were something like row 37, so we were literally right up the back, like the the highest row that you can possibly get, um, and of course you're meant to be sort of spread along, kind of four seats apart, but it was quite good actually, because where we were, you're then sort of able to have eyes on everybody else within the stand, um, and... Uh, I, d- I don't know. I mean, it was odd, but it was bizarre yet brilliant.
0: I think that's it. That's actually where the last two seasons before COVID I sat. I sat right up the back of T, so oh, I was literally you're... right beside. So I, I do know what you mean, it is There's negatives to it, obviously, but the positives is is that you can see everything in the park and see all how everybody <laughs> else is reacting to shit. So that's always quite fun.
1: That is the and, best because we're N usually row sort of thirty four. Right. And again it's it's sort of up that way and I just love when there's like some decision that the vast majority of Hearts fans disagree with and yeah. you just see everybody's like arms up in up in the air and just the rage built. Um it's quite funny from a high spot, but
0: yeah. Well I'm glad you had a lovely time where it again was very hot. I'm gonna keep coming back to that. It was um,
1: hotter then than it was tonight. Right, Okay.
0: Anyway, <laughs> Cove arrived from the Highlands where it isn't very hot often, but today it is very hot. And we saw a team that I can't actually remember if last week we predicted there would be wholesale change. I think we generally said there would be a couple of changes, but it would stay the same. However, the team was largely the same. And the most notable thing is that that has now been two Premier Sports Cup games, and they've both been. Very strong lineups, lineups that you'd expect to see us start opening day against Celtic at Tynecastle.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think the... Was, am I right in saying that the only two changes for the Cove game were both in midfield? Yes, it that, was the midfield duo two. Of Pollock Halliday and Halliday and Pollock came yeah. in, yeah. Um, so, no, I mean, I'd, I'd be very surprised if it wasn't kind of that back, you know, three-stroke five. I think in midfield, what this display allowed us to... Um, realises the fact that we've got some options in there, and I I don't think that Finlay Pollock would be ready to start. I think that's very brave, chucking a 17-year-old in a in a fixture of that magnitude. But by all means, he can he can contribute to the first team for as as long as he's involved this season. I mean, we sort of spoke afterwards, didn't we? I I'd thought initially that he'd been given the start against Cove Rangers as sort of like an audition. So that Paul Hartley could maybe get a look at him, I don't know if this is a whole like, you know, pat or brothers in arms act whereby we're loaning him to Paul Hartley because he's a Hearts legend and what have you. But I just thought that this would be sort of a chance for Pollock to impress and catch the eye of Paul Hartley. Um, but you then obviously messaged me saying that Robbie sees him staying at Hearts till January. Whether a loan move then comes, then I don't know, but. I, Very impressive alongside Andy Halliday, who I thought, again, was very good. Um, So, yeah, I'd say that the the two changes in midfield for the Cove game were justified. And I know that it's early. I know that we've come up against two League One teams. But I think the beauty of these fixtures are sort of alongside with cancelling your pre-season friendlies is that it gives your fringe players, your young guys, a chance to impress and stake a spot for a place in that starting 11, like you say.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, to then move into the game, it was an interesting opening 10. That's kind of the one... <laughs>
1: What's you the just, laugh about? You could say that again. Honestly, it got to... it got to, um, I think it was about 9, 10 minutes, like you say. And when Michael Smith cleared that off the line, I was like, oh, it's so great to be back.
0: <laughs> well, that's the thing. In the opening 10, it was... A- a far more even game than the remaining 80 minutes would go on <laughs> to showcase. Um, Cove had kind of the main chances of that opening 10, which culminated in, as you said, it was a passing move from. We lost the ball kind of in just in their half. They then broke, and there was several, there was two moments where Kingsley and Halkett just didn't seem to. They were kind of caught in two minds about whether to commit to the man. ...and maybe foul them or try and go for the challenge... ...or they were kind of thinking... ...no, way, I can just get the ball because it's in transit... ...and neither of them did either of those options... ...and just let the ball get to the Cove guy... ...and then was it Ian Vigers played a ball, I think? Someone played a ball in the Cove half... ...in the Cove team, sorry... ...and played it through... ...took a slight deflection... ...and then, thankfully... ...as the Cove guy connected with it... ...Gordon got the slightest of touches... And as soon as Gordon got that touch, it lost all its momentum. Michael Smith was sprinting towards it. And then you see, as it takes a thing, he realises, wait, I now need to stop because I'm now going far faster than the ball (laughs) itself.
1: He slams the handbrake on, doesn't he? And then takes that turn before he obviously puts it away. Exactly.
0: And then, yeah, punts it away. And honestly, from that point on, we're obviously going to speak about individual stuff. It was just a faultless performance. It was exciting to watch, creating loads of chances, constantly pressuring, trying out this new shape. This 3-4-3 three, three, better never leave again, by the way. It's the best thing we've done.
1: You like, know if we it all, well it will, though.
0: I mean, apparent, I think it kind of did in the Sunderland game, but we'll get to that. Interesting. Um, we've all, last season, been calling out 3-5-2, 3-5-2, 3-5-2. My main point of that change was to just have three at the back. I wasn't really bothered about what was going on in front of it. I just thought three at the back really benefited us with the wingbacks. The three in attack has really, really proven dividends. And just, we'll get into the goals in a second, but particularly Gianelli, I felt, who was given man of the match, he just... It's always the thing that you hear that the best thing is when a winger isn't scared to take on a man and just actually just go for it, run and try and put a ball in the box. Ginelli must have done that at least 10 times and it worked every single time. I know it's Cove, right? I know it is just a Cove left-back instead of whoever will be playing left-back opening day of the season for Celtic, but still... It's so refreshing to not have a winger get a ball, check in and pass back and just have someone to just go, no, I know I'm faster, I'm better with the ball and I can actually do damage here.
1: To be fair, I'd probably fancy Josh Ginelli up against, I'd imagine, Greg Taylor anyway. Yeah, um, that's true. But, uh, no, I, I get what you're saying. I think I thought that trio looked a lot more potent, which is bizarre to me because when you look at a sort of 3-5-2... It has the tendency to become a sort of 3-4-1-2 with somebody supporting your two front men, which then sort of begs the question, is that more creative? Because to me it would be, yet I actually agree with you. In the 3-4-3, despite there being no real creative influence in midfield, you could argue that Halliday and Pollock would go forward offensively and contribute just as much defensively but there's no real creative influence yet we looked a lot more potent and a lot more menacing in attacking areas and I don't know whether that's just down to the opposition or is it, you know, just the fact that it's early and we've got the chance to express ourselves so let's go and do it I, I don't know
0: it could, that's, that's a fair point, the other aspect could be that it was like the first time fans were back in Towncastle so it was like right, come on, let's give them something to cheer about, but what we hope is obviously is just that this is the plan going forward, and the plan started to work reasonably early on in the first half. Where the whole move was fantastic. John Souter picks the ball up from a Craig Gordon
1: pass out. A lovely takes, ball from Sophie. Can I just say?
0: It's he takes a couple of steps out and does that thing that Souter does, oh. where you can always tell he's about to switch it because he takes a couple of touches all the time, but then he'll he'll roll the ball with his studs. So like he'll just like place yeah, it. Yeah, so front it's got
1: that him. little bit of spin on it, just yeah. enough to sort of whip it away after that. It is, yeah, it's I, I don't I, I don't even know what you'd call that. It's sort of like past preparation, but it just does it so well. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's a totally fair. Massive switch to Cochrane, who takes it down really well and then immediately lays it off to Janelli, who faints to go one way, plays it off to Halliday, who's about twenty five yards out, I'd say, maybe pushing thirty and I, I, I out loud as he swung his leg back went don't shoot and then it's just a daisy cutter right through the entire defence slightly in off the side netting, it's 1-0 it's a fantastic goal all round but the big question is should the should the goalie concede that?
1: Um, I think if we're looking at the other goals the keeper will probably feel as though he could do more, as opposed to this one. I just think it's a great strike. And last season, a lot of my frustration was the fact that our patients never really paid dividends. I think here, we sort of take our time before working it inside, and there's not really a lot on for Andy Halliday. So, I think that it's a great strike. I get what you're saying, because he sprawls in an attempt to save it, but... I. I don't know. I, I, I just feel as though... I mean, I've said it on the pod as well. I, I think that there's a lot more to come from Andy Halliday. And I think he needed that goal, to be honest. Um, and at that stage, having conceded that early chance, that was sort of what we needed in order to spring us into life. So I'd say it's probably more a superb strike than the keeper could do better. But that's just my personal opinion. What, what do you think?
0: I, I actually agree with you. I think the keeper does get his feet wrong. You see, he's ve- as soon as Halliday shoots... He's frantically running to the other side and he's not just standing on the balls, his feet. However, I felt that Jimmy Sanderson on commentary and Chris Sutton and Stephen Craig on the Premier Sports commentary, they were all, all kind of focused more on the goalkeeping error rather than Halliday's strike. It was all like, yes, it's a good strike, however, the keeper should be saving it. Whereas I do feel that's kind of doing a disservice to Halliday. Like, it is objectively just a fantastic hit, he catches it perfectly. You seem raging that I've mentioned Sutton and Cregan.
1: No, I I am. Because you know that I'm not afraid to to voice my opinion. And I'm delighted that you've brought this up. Because obviously being at the game, I didn't see the, the Chris Sutton stuff till later on. But the clips of his punditry caught my attention. We'll touch on Finlay Pollock more. But for him to say that he should score the chance where he hits the post, to me it's embarrassing. You know, imagine you're you're 17 years of age, you're playing for a top tier team against a third tier side, you know, professional your debut debut. Exactly. Yeah. Fans are back, you're 1-0 up, and rather than square for your teammate, which upon reflection he could and probably should do, mm. I actually don't mind that he's been selfish and tried to go for a goal. I think it would be, you know, the icing on top of the cake if you were to grab your first professional goal, first professional start. And then your team goes on to win 3-0. Like, I don't blame Finlay Pollock whatsoever. I'd probably do exactly the same thing. But I guarantee if it's Karamoko Dembele in that situation, Chris Sutton does not slew Karamoko Dembele the same way that he did as Finlay Pollock. I I just didn't feel as though that criticism was necessary. So, I mean, supposedly he was at it all night. So, I used to really admire Chris Sutton as a pundit. I'm losing my patience now to be honest and I'll gladly call him out on it. There you go. It's
0: right we've just had so many fights. McGregor pride just finished. So we'll now get Kennedy
1: versus Sutton on the go. So- and Stuart that that beef has not been laid to rest yet. I'll That's take the true. I'll take the pair of them on. And I'm listen, I'm a lover, I'm not a fighter, but I'll gladly take both of them on. There you go.
0: Just an image of you in an octagon against <laughs> Chris Sutton and Michael Stewart. I would pay any amount of money. Due to
1: solely our boxers and some gloves, I'll, <laughs> I'll take is, them on, mate.
0: Many people would pay a lot of money to see that. We'll get some form of pay per view going. It will be class. However, as you did mention, <laughs> Finley Pollock, quite soon after, narrowly misses a chance that he is well within his rights to take. And then there's another chance, Michael Smith, who we need to touch on. I think the two people who will feel quite remissed not to be given Man in the Match will be Andy Halliday and Michael Smith. Because Michael Smith, I don't know if Robbie Nielsen said to him, right, Craig Gordon's in goals, but you can play every other position if you fancy. Or, if he's just went, it's roasting, it's a nice night, fans are back, it's Cove Rangers, I'm just going to take the piss and be just do whatever I want. How, I've always said, right, that Smith has been one of our few bright spots in the last few years and has often been the bright spot. Like, you, yeah, yeah. whenever there's a negative, you go, at least Michael Smith was there. Imagine how <laughs> much of a nightmare it would have been without Michael Smith. That felt like a reward for him. It was just like, just go and do whatever you want. How good was he?
1: You know, it's funny when wingers are told to, like, go and express themselves. You don't really expect it from, like, a marauding right-back, do you? Um, you know, I... I've long run out of superlatives from Michael Smith. hes he, I've said countless times, and I'll continue to say it, that he's the best footballer at the club. I don't care what anybody says. Total football, could play anywhere. Just an absolute gem. And one of the few, you said the bright sparks over the last few years, probably the only notable thing that Ian Cathro's ever done, that Austin McPhee's ever done. That's I mean, fair, fair, fair. the fact that he's still here, I mean, he must be one of if not our longest serving player now.
0: Apart from Suter, I can't really think of anybody else. I can't think of anyone else that would come close to him because, for example, when you look at that lineup, like Gordon, recent, Halkett, semi-recent, Halkett's getting closer, but he still wasn't... Suter and Smith were still here. Kingsley, obviously, last season. Cochran, this season. Herring is around the same time as him, but I still think Smith I came think, in first. I think
1: Smith was the season before, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, Pollock, Halliday, obviously one's a youth graduate and the other one joined us last season, Janelli joined us last season, GMS last season, Boyce season before So that
1: first 11, yeah, he's, he's sec- second longest serving and was probably my choice for captain given obviously I'd, I'd prefer it to be an outfield player dependable, but that's just, you know, he, my thoughts have been made with regards to the past few episodes and like I say, I've ran out of superlatives, so.
0: One hundred percent, and he came incredibly close to scoring a fantastic goal. Was it not for
1: a that was a good save? I was just going to say a brilliant save
0: yeah. from the cove keeper. In fairness to him, however, Smith did get in on the action, just not in the goal front. We're right on half time. The we kind of break, and then the ball gets—it's a proper stromash in the middle. It gets pinged in, pinged out, pinged in, pinged out. It eventually ends up at Smith, who crosses the ball in, and we're just seeing how good the cove keeper was at saving his shot. A Jack Hamilton flaps at it... And just... It hits off the side of his glove... And Boyce... Proper poacher... Just in the right place at the right time... Takes a touch... Fires it in... We go into the second half... We go into half time... Sorry... 2-0 up... Game's totally dead... I felt a bit bad for the keeper... Because I actually felt... Barring the goals... He... Like it was 3-0 going on 10... Like he kept it quite respectable... But as you said earlier... He is directly at fault for at least two goals that we scored.
1: This is the one that I was referring to first and yeah. foremost. I mean, what what is that? Does he flap? Like he looks to sort of punch, like. And you know, obviously, with the with the who scored stuff that I write, um, I've I, I didn't actually know that it was Kyle Gurley that was at Hamilton Aki's last year. Mm. You can see why Aki's went down, um, and I know that obviously. There were other keepers injured and he didn't play perhaps as much as the other keepers. But, I mean, we're going to touch on our sort of goalkeeping woes. When, once your first choice isn't available, is it's very tricky. Um, and uh, listen, you're right in that he pulled off some stunning saves and ultimately did keep the scoreline down to solely three. But that goal, I mean, that's an absolute shocker. That was, that was definitely the worst of the night, but listen, like you say, we'll take it because ultimately it kills off the contest then and then. Game's done at half time. Liam Boyce has got the goal that his performance is probably merited. Um and yeah, you're you're going into the break optimistic and hopeful that whilst it would be acceptable to take our foot off the gas, we don't want that to be the case because we still want to be entertained. So and ultimately entertainment did come later on. Obviously not as much as in that first half, but yeah. Just a, a, a fitting into to a decent first 45, bar maybe that first
0: 10. 100%. And then the, we come out second half, and it's it just kind of continued. We kept pushing, kept playing really well. Obviously, as you say, it wasn't maybe as intense as in the first half when we still needed to get goals, but it it wasn't the Hearts performances that we've seen recent in recent years where we've went a couple of goals ahead, so then we just sit back and don't do anything for the remaining 45. The game that I think of often with that was Alloa at home. when we went 3-0 up in the first half last season. And then just for 45 minutes <laughs> nothing happened in the second half. It was the most pointless 45 minutes of football you've ever seen in your life. That didn't happen on Tuesday night. Because Andy Halliday just kept going. He finds his way into the box. Plays a brilliant pass. And GMS just absolutely spoons it. Like, I don't know if he if it bounces just as it gets to him, if he kind of kicks the turf, or he just doesn't make great contact. But he sends it absolutely flying, and you hear the crowd. It's not a boo, it's more like a
1: eh? It's just <laughs> a oh, it, yeah. It, the, you, you know full well that sort of I, I hark back to his Dundee miss. I think you even touched on it last week. The Dundee miss would be rage. For that, it was a kind of sympathetic, like, what was that?
0: Yeah, 100%. And you think, oh, that's a shame. Really hope he gets to make amends for it. Couldn't have happened better for him. The goal kick happens. It's a really short one out to the midfield. Andy Halliday, who I don't know if it's out of fury that he missed an (laughs) assist. So he was like, I'm fucking getting you an assist. Or it's just what it probably is, is excellent pressing. Wins the ball back right in the edge of the box, and GMS who has Gennelli absolutely hammering it into the box, Bust screaming a for it, yeah. it like desperately get a goal, which he was all night. He had so many chances to score, and if it wasn't for their keeper, he would have scored. Uh, but GMS is clearly just like, I I fucked that last <laughs> one up, complete tunnel vision. And in fairness to him, it's a really good strike, bottom right hand corner. Game's even more dead than it already was. And that's now, as well as Liam Boyce, GMS has two goals and he's opening two games.
1: Yeah, and talk about making amends, like you say, it's it's a fine finish, a great strike again. And I don't know about you, but that, to me, just the, the way that the ball sort of ripples in the net like that, it's just so satisfying. It just, I, I love those types of finishes. Um, and GMS is another that's, that's looked lively. Certainly, you could heart back to Tuesday night even just sort of these Premier Sports Cup games on the whole. Um, And I think I've mentioned it again, sort of how that, the end of the championship was his pre-season. This is sort of, I don't know, first few matches, and then we'll start to see him really kick on and come to life, hopefully, in in the upcoming Premiership games. So ever hopeful that there's more to come from Gary Mackay steven and whether that's in the last two Premier Sports Cup games, and throughout the season that would be fantastic if, it, if it, that was the case
0: definitely he it has the, the main worry that every Hearts fan had in the last five games of the championship season was oh, GMS is hitting form at kind of the wrong time he's doing really well this season couldn't come at a worse time however the worry was has kind of been deemed n- nothing because he's kept that form going exactly as you say I know it is only against Cove Rangers and Peter Head, but you can only score against what's in front of you and he's doing that. So hopefully it continues into the league's uh, campaign. That was kind of it. We had another few chances. As I said, Janelli did really well to take a ball down and beat two defenders at once. And if it wasn't for their keeper, um, it would have got another one in Janelli's first goal. The last thing I want to speak about from the game, uh, you will have seen, but you won't have seen when you were there because you were physically there, was in around the 88th minute or something like that, someone gets hurt.
1: Just after he'd been given Man of the Match, was it? Yes, it it was actually just
0: after he'd been given Man of the Match. So someone gets hurt, and they cut, because obviously Janela is off by this point, he was replaced by Ewan Henderson, and it cuts to him. But as someone's hurt, now you can actually maybe shine a better light on this because from our perspective in the coverage it sounded like a few people started to sing the heart song and then the whole stadium did and you just see Janelli's face Ginelli isn't really paying attention and then he kind of just sits forward and looks up and just looks like in awe. He's so excited by it and we'll get to Ginelli in a minute I want to speak more about him but was it a few people? Because there was some reports that it was like one guy who just started the song.
1: It genuinely felt as though it was like a handful that burst into song. Mm. And then like, as you say, the entire stadium just goes, ah, do you know what? Screw it. <laughs> and they just all join in. I, that's the only real complaint that I've got kind of with the fans. But again, I think everybody's so overwhelmed by being back. Yeah. That you're sort of not wanting to... I don't know. This sounds really stupid to say, but you're not sort of wanting to sing and kind of ruin it. You're sort of just taken aback, and you're yeah. you're like in that zone where you're just like blown away. Honestly, walking up those steps, I felt like four-year-old Adam again. Like coming back, just you just fall in love yet again. It was just amazing. Like it there really is also was.
0: the other aspect of when you're in a full-time
1: castle. And, cause this is the, the atmosphere this takes is, care of itself is that what you yeah, would say like, yeah. it's for the bigger clashes in particular
0: 100% it's different to a lot of clubs in Scotland where say for example if Morton play East Fife you can see where the chant has come from wherever you are Like you can see sometimes the individuals who do it when you're at the club the size of us and you're in Tynecastle you hear the direction in which a song is starting that's it Whereas when there's only 2,000 in the air, if you started a song, you and your mate, everybody would just be like... And like, look. So if it didn't take off, it would be the most uncomfortable thing ever. So I think that's probably part of it as well. That people would just like, I don't really want to start a song in case nobody does anything. But it was amazing.
1: That's fair. I just think... I don't know. Maybe this is one for the listeners, but I just feel as though the the songbook needs improving. That's 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 (laughs) a thing for me. I I don't think we've got enough chance. I really don't. That's true.
0: We've got about five that we just recycle every ten minutes. We just go through the five. So maybe
1: maybe that's maybe that's something else for your summer. Whilst you're watching us in the Premier Sports Cup. You get those cogs in the brain turning. In fairness, we've had like songs.
0: eighteen months to work this <laughs> We've all had fuck with yeah, I think
1: of it, 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 Everybody's been angry and frustrated, haven't they? That's true. like we're we're giving the we're giving the club too much money. We're not gonna come up with songs for them to improve the atmosphere. We're not even there. So <laughs> <true. That laughs> <is laughs> folk <fair. laughs> would probably deem it a, a pointless exercise in that kind of window that you said. Very fair.
0: Uh, we will... That was the end of the game. Nothing else happened. Very comfortable 3-0 victory. <laughs> six points for opening six.
1: What's funny about so, that? Like, I'm amazed that you've not touched on uh, Josh Gianelli's rugby tackle on Gary McIntyre's This is what I was... No, I was, I'm
0: about to get to right. Do not worry. So, I was going to speak about Gianelli as a whole because I tweeted this the other night and it, actually, Liam Boyce shared the tweet about oh, okay. uh, that. Josh Denley has played now thirteen competitive games for Heart of Midlothian. Right, there are people who we like. For example, we spoke about him earlier. Cathro, people like Andras Struna played like twenty-five games. People like Leonard Sola, Faisal Reyes, under Levine, like Cole Stockton, Gelac, all kind of played more games than that. And the point with that I'm making there is that short amount of times. Short game time doesn't necessarily mean like, oh, you just kind of like are fascinated by a player because you've not seen a lot of them or players who play a wee bit longer, you don't necessarily have any affection towards, but Ginelli's played 13 competitive games and I can't remember the last time a, a player who has played so little has had the entire fan base take to him because you have a guy like GMS, right? There was people. This podcast. There's only two of us, and we've been splitting them for most of the time. Like, I was against the signing, you were for it. Then when he came, we were kind of united in the. Oh, he's not playing well, but you were more like he'll get form. I was like, I don't know if he will. I I
1: I, I, I was backing him, and you were sort of skeptical, weren't you?
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. And I feel like that was quite a good representative of the fan base as a whole. There was large sections yeah, yeah. really backing them, and then there was other large sections going, I don't think he's good enough. Whereas Janelli has just come in and like everyone has fallen madly in love with him and it's such a cliche and I hate it but it does feel like he just gets it and that jump on GMS is part of it the The look that he had when he hears the heart song is part of it it's like he just seems to have completely bought into the club and he's good right that's that always helps. Well. Yeah, exactly. Like, if you're rubbish, you could be, like, papescu I think, tries his hardest. I think he really cares. Like, I think he wants to do well for the fan base. Like, whereas people are like, aye, but you're shite. But Janelli has that perfect duopoly of, like, he's really trying and we're taking it in, but also he's one of our best
1: players. He's got that leeway because he's actually contributing on the park. Um, yeah. In in terms of sort of short hearts careers, I can remember us with the hardly played elevens a good good few episodes back now. Maybe maybe we should have waited till he was kind of kicking <laughs> on with like I mean, a handful of games if we were struggling on the right. But in terms of kind of a hearts career, I mean there was one name in my head which was Craig Beatty in in nine yeah, games. Yeah. And to be fair, if anybody matches Craig Beatty's contribution in the nine <laughs> games that he played for us. You know, that would be ridiculous. But aside from that, I think Josh Ginelli, yeah. In terms of sort of kind of least games played and I don't want to say most contributions, but you know what I mean? The, I the disparity either. between what he's able to contribute and how little time he's given to contribute in is remarkable. And hopefully there's there's more to come. I mean, the, the, I, I loved that rugby tackle on GMS. I just thought it was hilarious. And... Yeah it seems like there's a real sort of bromance brewing between mm-hmm. the two of them and I I, I I thought of a question to ask you actually which was kind of when when can you recall the last time that there was such a I don't want to say a visual relationship but you really felt kind of a partnership between hearts players like that God, because it- I've got one in my head but even then I'm not too sure I remember
0: Lafferty and Naismith seemed to get each other like a lot. Oh, that's not a bad one. I wish I thought of that. They just get, <laughs> but I never, it never felt like, like because GMS and Gino feel like you, use, it's a very apt word. It does feel like a bromance, like that they just kind of love each other, love playing together. They work really well with each other, and they're both playing similar roles. I never felt. That was the same with Lafferty and Naismith's relationship. It was more like a professional thing where they were just like, I know where you're going to be, you know where I'm going to be, and we work well together.
1: And that had sort of already been established for their time together at Rangers. You know, yeah. GMS and Janelli Hearts is the only place that they've played together, mm-hmm. and only now are we starting to see, because of, you know, fitness issues to Janelli GMS now kicking on. Now that that's really brewing, whereas... Naismith and Lafferty kind of already had that, even though that was a really good example. I, I, I the the one I thought of was Nicholson and Walker. Yeah, that's fair. That. I feel like, and that again, was a it's sort of two. trio
0: with King as well.
1: Yeah, well, that, that's what I was going to say because I, I think for most jambos, Nicholson and Walker were kind of the two first choice. But I was really happy yeah. with Billy King mm-hmm. as a as a squad but option. Yeah. Like you say, if either were injured, um, but it's quite ironic that that's kind of another kind of wing wizard partnership where. Yeah. Both are in tandem, obviously love playing with one another, and yet we're starting to see that with GMS and Janelli, and that's just, I don't know, that little kind of, that little duo, it's, it's becoming like one of my favourite sort of aspects of watching Hearts at the minute, as cheesy then, as that sounds.
0: And then Boyce is the dad who's just in between <laughs> them both, looking after the two wee guys. Class! What a front three we've got. However, Adam, let's be honest. We've now been recording here for about 35 minutes. There's been far too much positivity. Right? So yeah. let's let's go back to being hearts
1: again. Yeah. Because... <laughs> because it was only Cove. Calm down. <laughs> this is what i tell myself. It's Cove Rangers. Yes, they're one of the favourites for League One, but it's League One.
0: <laughs> Just- I didn't even mean that. I didn't even mean the Cove game. I meant we then get to the weekend, where on Saturday, we have a preseason... Oh, what are you doing?
1: It was great, obviously, to host a club of such magnitude as Sunderland. You know, it was fantastic. I I really enjoyed it. You know, massive club, great fan base. Obviously, a shame that none of their fans were able to come to Tiny, but there we are.
0: (laughs) What is that? What is that? What? (laughs) Right, for visual listeners Visual (laughs) listeners, I completely lost it For audio listeners Adam has just unveiled A Sunderland Top To be
1: fair, this is for Bradley Lowry
0: Right, I was going to say The first thing I noticed was that So I kind of get too annoyed at that Sorry But what You can't, right Me and Adam have made it very clear to each other. We have differing opinions on this Sundown game that are about to say all your opinions and they're completely invalidated because you were sat with a Sundown top on. You wanted them to win. That's what fucking. That's the reality of this situation. No comment. I'm so disappointed in it. I'm so. I'm furious. (laughs) You've completely I can tell. me up here. Honestly, You've I've been sweating
1: my banjo off with this flaming track jacket on. I tell you it was hot! <laughs> I tell <laughs> you it thought, was hot! I thought it's all going to be worth it once I see that angry mug. Brilliant, eh? See, audio listeners,
0: the benefits of visual aspects. You can see how furious I am and how buzzing Adam is that this has worked. But anyway, Yeah. We played that shit on Saturday and we got beat by them 2 0. They
1: they are jobbies, can I just say? Like I know I, I know it was great to obviously be on the Roker report and I was waxing lyrical about how Sunderland are a massive club and of course they are. And the they're fans the tiny and <laughs> And that the fans deserve better, but it's an it's an absolute disgrace for Sunderland. I mean, Sunderland haven't been good since Jermaine Defoe left. That's true that's very true and that was and even then he was the only good thing exactly <laughs> they were actually anyway. hanging their hat on him yeah
0: we got beat 2-0 in a game where we were actually the better side for most of it which kind of said sums everything up really see right not This is the, we're not we're not gonna go through the game because it was a fucking friendly who cares Aidan McGiddy dived for a penalty and then we were just we just stopped playing for like 10 seconds and let Dylan Gooch just play a ball in McGiddy, who just hit it, right? I genuinely, and you, listen let's just be frank here you got a lot of shit on Twitter for your opinion I'm, particularly in I'm the first with half
1: it. don't care tell
0: people what you thought
1: of the game in case they missed your enlightenment I, I, enlighten I, I can recall one Liam Boyce chance in the first half and genuinely nothing else that were was you a- watching the game? Yeah, I was. I, I I was watching it with my dad, and I literally said, "I'd said what I'd tweeted out." I, he he obviously. I mean, I, I don't know his exact stance, but he said something along the lines <laughs> of, "I don't disagree because I thought we were terrible." I, See, that's not wait. Sunderland Sunderland literally, all their hopes were dependent, and, and I say hopes like it's a. I mean, we it have means touched nothing. Yeah, it's a friendly, right? It doesn't matter, but. I'm disappointed with hearts's performance because I just. It epitomised to me the fact that the backup brigade aren't good enough. I just feel as though Aidan McGeady's 35 years of age and he was comfortably the best player on the park.
0: But this is the thing. I don't see where you're getting that. I thought he was rubbish apart from two moments. Or, he dived for okay. a
1: penalty and then he, he shot for a distance. He didn't do anything else. Okay, well, if we're going at the other end then. A 17-year-old that signed for Sunderland on loan from Manchester City—I can't remember the boy's name. That's terrible. I thought he was—he was their best player from a defensive aspect. 17 years of age.
0: Well, but then simultaneously, you can't—you can't, even, you can't even simultaneously go. How shocking is that that a 17-year-old was class whilst just spending
1: half an hour going. How good was Finley Pollock, by the way? No, it's—it's it's fine if it's for us, but it's a bit embarrassing. It's a bit embarrassing if a 17-year-old's marking, you know. A Northern Irish centre forward out of the game In limits a friendly, our threats at home. Look, I know, I don't care about the result. I just felt as though no, the performance but that's, was that's not was a poor. point. My point is,
0: I disagree that the performance was poor. I think we were the better side, but also, the performance doesn't matter as you said about oh, previous friendlies. God. And this is the thing, I can't be bothered with people who were applying every single friendly result we had when we beat. Team 7-0, 6-0, 4-0 and stuff like that. And the same people reply going, it means nothing, why are people invested in this? Who cares? It's pre-season. It's just about getting minutes. Then as soon as we have the first negative result, people go, see, this is proof that we're rubbish. Nielsen out, the performance was shocking. (laughs) It's like, you can't pick and choose. Either pre-season is all about minutes or you actually care about performances. And then all you have to say is, we've been vastly outperforming everything and we just had one off date where, for the majority of the
1: game, we played kids. I, look, I To some extent, I agree, but to some extent, I disagree. I disagree in that you can be, you cannot care about the result, but you still want to see a glimmer of something. You still, I, want, that's you still, what want I
0: disagree. You I still want to see was. a
1: positive performance. And I, think I don't. It was a positive I, performance. A, 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 off, off what basis? We created very little in my not, eyes.
0: I just disagree. Like in that first half, I was like. We're creating loads of chances here. We're give me, really give me well. some, give me some so chances. Was, so this
1: is the thing. I, I can recall building, the voice one at the back post, and that's literally it.
0: I was building IKEA furniture as this entire <laughs> game was going on. By the way, and even our that <laughs> we played quite well. But
1: I'm not. I'm not entirely convinced.
0: There was chances where, like, it, I'll be. I'll be totally honest. I don't know if there was many chances where we actually had shots at goal that potentially could have went in. I just mean our general build-up play and the opportunities we're getting into and the triangles. But what does we, that
1: mean? What does that mean if you don't get a shot away at goal?
0: It doesn't in a fr- It means everything in a friendly, yeah. And see, for example, as this podcast goes out, um, we're playing Stirling tonight. If that happens in the Stirling game, and yeah, we're then we get we're loads of stuff. Yeah, that's one hundred percent fine. But as Robbie said after it, all this game is is to test stuff. And that goes back to what I was saying right at the start of the podcast. I don't think we played 3-4-3. I don't know, I might be wrong, but I felt we went back to 4-2-3-1. It felt like there wasn't as much bombastic moving forward. Now, part of that might be because Nielsen went, at Sunderland. Slash, we didn't have Gennelli playing. We didn't have Gordon playing either. Two uh, like two of the first names in the team sheet, particularly Janelli, who's very crucial to the way that three four three system works. I was about to say, Craig,
1: Craig Gordon's not impact in information, but Josh Janelli no, might. Janelli <laughs> is, yeah.
0: Janelli's um, so. Janelli, cru- in my opinion, is one of the four most crucial
1: players to that three four three. Wow. Who Who's your other out that sort of. Suter, quartet?
0: Smith, and Boyce.
1: Do you not feel as though if John Suter drops out, Michael Smith could then.
0: Yes, but then we Shift need to in. have an adequate replacement for Smith.
1: And we've not got that. And we don't have that. Fair. Okay.
0: Um, but that, like, and what I mean by that is that we didn't have Janelli on Saturday because why would we play him? Like, why, what's the point in playing Janelli <laughs> in that game? Because I was to but, then,
1: but then you could argue, what's the point in playing Liam Boyce, GMS? I, I've got to be honest. I agree I, with that, though. I thought. As I said in the article for the Roker Report, I thought this would be a fringe player's, a young kid's 11. I was surprised to see as many of your kind of, quote-unquote, first teamers. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I still think there was, you know, a a couple rotations, as you'd expect. But I expected a a few more, to be honest.
0: I I very much agree. I... The reason I say Ginelli is because of how injury prone he's recently been he's just come back to fitness. There was no need to risk him in that. Nielsen today has said that that very much is the focus of this pre-season and group stages where it's just like, wrap Ginelli in bubble wrap and make sure he's fine and don't <laughs> overexert him, but they still need to enable him to get minutes into his legs so he's not going to break down in the opening five So what is he in, on-
1: in line to feature against the Albion? Yeah, Tonight, so... As this goes out then.
0: I think it's that he's just not... He, I don't think he featured that much in pre-season friendlies. Like, I think he would regularly get a half and then come off, whereas some players... Like, Boyce played most minutes of all pre-season. But Janelli seems to be slowly building it and just seems to be prioritising if it's a competitive game, we'll play Janelli. If it's a friendly, there's is no that, need to risk him. Is that just because we're hanging our
1: hat only Liam Boyce, though?
0: Potentially, Probably. but I think... I think the other aspect of it is probably that like we want boys to be at his peak level, yeah, yeah. so him getting the, playing constantly will get him to that level far faster. Um, and obviously, just now he's very much doing that. I thought some of the kids that came on did very well. I thought Leo Watson actually stood out and looked quite good he, especially because that's the thing. Yes, yeah, Sunderland are terrible, but you have you do still have people like Aidan McGiddy. Shouldn't I know he's thirty five? He shouldn't be in that league. Like he should be at a higher level. It's just because he's only, like twenty five
1: grand a week. He made his Celtic debut in two thousand and four, I think. I thought I yeah. thought I saw. Yeah, you know it's, we it's crazy. were we were six and seven. Like yeah. what? Like what
0: is that? I know it's crazy. It's a it's a testament to how well he's done. And as I say, I still think he should be playing at a higher level than League One and Sunderland. Like the fact that Leo Watson managed to stand up to. I, at squad level where that is the kind of money being thrown around and I know like you could tell in the second half especially it was like both sides were just like right cool just using this for minutes Um, and then after the game Robbie said that
1: that, what's wrong with that because when I saw I I, I saw obviously I think we made something like five changes simultaneously didn't we and when I saw that we made six at once well there you go and when I saw that three of them were Mihai Popescu, Lloyd Demur and Jordan Roberts coming on I just felt like turning it off you know, the the two the two positives I could take from it, three were the fact that it's only a friendly, so result doesn't matter despite the pish performance in my eyes. The kids were all right, and I didn't actually have to pay money to watch it because I'm a season ticket holder. That was it. That was literally it. The rest of it, I could have done so much more on my Saturday afternoon. I'd have probably rather assembled the IKEA furniture with you. That's how (laughs) dire it actually was. I'm, I'm delighted. I feel for the fans that actually were there and not at the Cove game, but I'm simultaneously delighted that I wasn't there and was there for the Cove game. There's my thoughts.
0: My thoughts are: Who gives a fuck? Got (laughs) minutes? It means absolutely nothing. That's it! Like, who cares? <laughs> it's a fucking friendly! I just... I... Listen. I'm all... I totally understand how people want... Like, people want hearts to put. I want hearts to play well in every single game. I'm a Newcastle fan. I wanted us to beat Sunderland, right? My Newcastle brain was furious. I can just edit you out at any point. <laughs> that can happen. Um, my Newcastle part of my head was annoyed that Sunderland beat us. But i just i don't understand the people who are like it's very selective it's like when we play bad people are very quickly bad in their eyes they're very quick to go well this is a problem and then when in the exact same circumstances we play well those same people go nah you can't read too much into it it's like surely it's the games that are competitive where we have been dominant scored five conceded none never looked like worrying in those two games. Surely they're the games that it matters to be good in. Also, I've seen us in years past do great things in pre-season friendlies and then we turn out and are shit in the league.
1: No, look, I get that. Um, I think for me, uh, uh, look, we've beaten the two League One teams, right? That should be a given. That's why I'm not getting too excited, but I just... I don't know whether I'd expected more. I think when I watched the Cove game, I had a beamer from literally went from ear to ear throughout it, and that was just down to being back. I wasn't. I mean, it was great that we won, but again, I was expecting that. I just expected more against Sunderland, and I'm not. I'm not disappointed that we lost or anything like that because the result doesn't matter. But just screaming out for a few bodies in my eyes, mate.
0: Well then, that's a perfect transition as we are currently sat recording this on the 19th of July. Currently, Hearts have technically made one new signing as we have brought back in Ross Stewart permanently and Josh Janelli permanently, but those two were both on loan. We have currently only brought in Alex Cochran on loan. Three signings in total, but I'll give it to some people, it's like one signing. So... It's an interesting discussion. A lot of the other podcasts have been talking about it. Obviously, this past week, the This Is My Story Boys interviewed Joe Savage, and obviously the big conversations was about recruitment. And Savage made it very clear that, as we said last week with the people like William Lansfield coming in and John McLaughlin that were changing up the way we do recruitment and uh, the academy and stuff like that. And Savage kind of gave a bit more information on that where he spoke about the fact that now, it, William Ladsfield will be staying down in England so he can scout that market. The English market isn't moving as quickly as the Scottish kind of league, so, and that's the market we're focusing in, so we haven't been able to make as many moves. Also, that he doesn't feel that we he should ever need to convince a player to play for Hearts, that they have this apparent DVD that they show to people that I think every Hearts fan desperately wants to see, just to know what it looks like. Um Send out, and it's kind of just like, do you want to play for us? Yes or no? What if do you suspect
1: a, it looks like? Sorry, I, I, think I, it'll I'm just sorry be to like, cut you
0: off. No, it's all right. I think it'll just be like derby goals, Hartley's penalty against Aberdeen when we get into the Champions League, winning trophies, the Bayern Welcome to Heart of
1: lothian Football Club. Perform! No, Perform no. or be absolutely terrorised by the supporters in the stands.
0: Yeah, that's that would be a far more accurate one. Like, that would be fair. Um, b- but yeah, quickly, before we speak about transfers, how good was that interview? Fair play to Corbett and all the guys, Ando as well, who was clearly there. Savage and listen, Savage says it himself, talks cheap. The in of, yeah, the amount of times we've heard people come in, players, Donis Advilai, there's no city I don't score in, and stuff like that. Ian Cathero saying I really want to move this club forward and get competing with the old firm. Roman off saying I want to break the old front in he did that. But. really <laughs> broke the club away. in half as well, mate. He, he did, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> what?
1: It? what I'd give for those halcyon days. <laughs> what did
0: you think of it? Did you think it was all lip service, or did you think, no, he seems to actually get it? Much like we were speaking about with Gianelli.
1: He does. I, I think it, it was encouraging. Um, I'll, I'll say that much. I think most folk are kind of getting a hunch, aren't they? And it's it appears to be like Marmite. You're either firmly in the savage camp, or you're still that little bit sceptical. And I think the scepticism arises primarily due to the fact that we've only really brought in Aaron Makinf so far in his kind of tenure. Obviously, now we've had you know various appointments in different positions. So chances are we'll be looking at players and. I'm assuming that arrivals will now be through the doors because of various scouts that we've got all over now. Um, Look, I I, I can't say anything bar we've just got to see new signings and and take it from there. Um, The way that he talks about people when they're being appointed does seem as though he's sort of got people in mind for positions that open up, which is good. And hopefully we've got players in mind for positions that we need strengthening in the team in exactly the same format so hopefully we've got a couple bodies to come Um, for me I I mean I said priority was centre half I think that was further proved on Saturday with the easiness of Aidan McGeady's second goal to be honest because it is just literally one ball from Lyndon Gooch that seemingly separates you know three defenders I would still like a bit of creativity in midfield I'd like a wide man because, similar to how we were talking about Nicholson, Walker and King, if anything happens to either Gino or GMS, do I really want to rely on Jordan Roberts? Not particularly. Um, And I think we're a little bit light up top as well. Obviously with Nando to come back from full fitness. Ewan Henderson, not all that established. But Liam Boyce being the main man. So, bodies to come in. He speaks well. Let's hope. That he puts his money where his mouth is, and that these additions are as good as he's handled. You know, various fan skepticism, I'd say, is probably the right word because we're yet to see what Joe Savage can do. Really,
0: that's that's very fair. Uh I, just, I was going to move on to this in a bit, but you mentioned his name, Jordan Roberts, may not be a problem for us anymore. Um, as last night it came out in the evening news that he was speaking to them and that he said that yes i'm a hearts player but i need to be realistic with my career if i'm not going to play here then i'm going to move on if i can i i don't know about you but i very much hope he does move on like it frees up wages I, i know it's a i know it's a loss in a wide area but i don't really think it is a loss because i'd kind of rather not have a wide player than have jordan roberts
1: no I'd quite like for us to unearth another Josh Ginelli to be honest there's bound to be some I think Ginelli was pre-Savage wasn't he and then when Savage came in we've had Gary Mackay steven but I think both of whom were identified by Robbie well
0: he was pre-Savage but kind of not because he was at Preston where Savage
1: was yeah okay so yeah so if if we'd been made aware I don't know whether it was via Joe Savage or whatever but Robbie's wing recruitment, if we're using that as a phrase, um, has been hit or miss so far. Um, Yeah. GMS has been quite polite. Yeah. GMS and Janelli have been good. I'd say Janelli more so. GMS Mm. now starting to get to that level. Elliot Freer, Gervain Castanier, Jordan Roberts, all honking. So hopefully we can tie it up and go three and three as opposed to three Rotten Wingers and two, one of whom's excellent and the other's now starting to kick on.
0: That's very fair. I have two words to say to you that I'm very interested to hear your reaction to. Is this a name? Yes, it is. Uh Aha, go on. He's just been released by his club.
1: Oh, I know where you're going with this. There's no chance he'll sign. We need to get on
0: the phone There's to no Big r- Andy Carroll. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Fuck and it, you and your Sunderland yeah. top.
1: An injury prone centre forward is exactly what Hartman and Lothian need. Yeah, yep. 100%. I don't, listen, right? That number nine shot's vacant. Hey, listen. Exactly. This is the thing.
0: I don't care if he came in, we signed him, he stepped out onto the turf and his groin went again or his ankle went again, or his knee went again, or his shoulder went again. Those
1: are the four main injuries he's had. Also, by the way... I love how you've got to specify exactly which injury he might potentially pick up.
0: Well, this is the thing, because if you go into the transfer market and look at his injuries, there is one section that just says, from January 2020, it just says, a knock, and he was out for 142 days with a (laughs) knock. I love that, (laughs) but... I, just, I don't care if he literally stepped out in the park and busted his ankle. I could say that I've seen Andy Carroll wear a Newcastle oh, shirt God. and a Hart shirt. That's it. It's purely selfish. It's purely my Newcastle roots. Let's get big Andy in. Why what? not? Him and Nandalee... <sighs> Seven-foot giants just towering over every other defense. And Liam Boyce
1: supporting the two of them. Yeah. Can you imagine? Just them two running riot. How
0: class does that sound? Andy Carroll can't move anymore, but just put them in the box and get Gino, GMS, Boyce to just go, just run, lads. Just run around them and put balls in and
1: it'll <laughs> I, work. I know of a couple was um, that are also Newcastle fans not just solely you yet you are the only one that's touted Andy Carroll because of our track record with injuries and in first, it only came underwhelming the signings well listen what does that matter you've the touted it almost to instantly <laughs> it's, like, it's like you're Keith Downey or something
0: listen I love Andy Carroll he's given me some incredible memories Such I want him in Maroon now, don't take away from how good Andy Carroll was when he was younger.
1: Andy well, Carroll was amazing. Okay, it was he £35 million amazing?
0: For what Liverpool at the time needed, yeah, and then he just got hurt. Don't come to me with Andy Carroll Blasphemy. I will win, (laughs) right? I have far more knowledge of them than you. I remember his game where he played against Norwich and got a hat trick, and then he came through the youth level at Newcastle, and we were just hearing about this giant guy who was getting hat tricks in every single reserve game. He's also apparently mental
1: like a mental oh, now he's a to say perhaps he's absolutely off his rocker he's enormous probably doesn't have a, that prolific a record with recent clubs is injury prone to hell oh get, get offer of the deal now it's, it's an absolute certainty that he's coming to Tynecastle.
0: when Titus Bramble is saying you're mental then that must be terrifying <laughs> I like, I don't want to know what he gets up to in his personal life out on nights out all I want him all I want to know about him is how much money he wants to appear in Gorgie
1: for hearts.
0: I can't wait, it's gonna be amazing.
1: He's knocking futs, but nearly as mental as you for putting that suggestion forward. There's no apparently,
0: chance. Apparently he's going
1: to Charlton. Charlton? Duh. To link up with Connor Washington. Yeah, Good exactly.
0: <laughs> exactly. What you um, know
1: that is. Before we
0: go into the final part, I just want to ask you a very simple question that we're not stealing it because every podcast is asking it because it's just about thing are you worried about the lack of signs?
1: um no I don't think worried's the right word I'd say I'm surprised um I'm pleased that we're not rushing but by the same score I'm expecting sort of one or two more to have arrived by now I think it's possible to feel that way you're not wanting hearts to go out and make it rain as though it's a strip club. But simultaneously, you know, these things take time. We want to get it right. You know, the same people that will be clamouring for signings are the same ones that have been, you know, slating our transfer policy for time that folk have come in far too early. You know, like under Levine. You know, when our, our first 11 had basically been assembled for kind of the League Cup. And that was it. Mm-hmm. You know, now we're actually taking our time, seeing what we need. I think these competitive fixtures, we've touched on the beauty of them already, but even even the Sunderland friendly chucked in and amongst that has let us know what we need to... or sort of the positions that we're identifying that we need improvement in. And hopefully we've got targets in mind to find them. So, no, I, I, I'm not worried by the lack of signings. I'm not underwhelmed, but... Mm-hmm. Just surprised that we are taking our time but simultaneously pleased that's basically
0: my exact thoughts on it as well I, I i almost don't get the people who are panicking like i'd maybe get that if we'd played really bad if like we hadn't won a game in pre-season and then the games against peterhead and cove were labored we we hadn't picked up maximum points like we looked really poor in them then you go, right, we need loads of signings now to fix this, and we've not done anything yet.
1: But then we'd be on at the club every hour. Yeah, exactly.
0: Exactly. Like Robbie has made it very clear that in every single time he's asked about it, he's like, we're focusing on the English and Irish markets. They're not really up yet. There's not been a lot of movement. And in Scotland, it's been quite interesting because some clubs have done a lot of movement but then other clubs have been like us, where they've done basically. Now it very much seems to be one or the other that you're you're making loads of deals, like Dundee today announced like three folk at once, kind of thing. Whereas there's other sides that haven't really made made one or two here and there. And for me, the just biggest positive is it's that it's not another rebuild that I thought we, that I felt we were all quite worried about there. It was like, I forgot it. It's going to be another eight or nine players coming in, all needing to gel, all needing to bed in at the same time. Whereas I think it's been proven that we just need a couple. I agree with you totally. Like we need a center half. I'd like a wide player. I'd like a striker probably covering the middle, but I do feel like we do have quite a few options there. But so I would like a few players in, but we do have a month and a half left to do it in it. It's not like we're here sat on the nineteenth of August going, We've got two weeks and we've still no signed anybody. Like if it gets to that point, then I'll be like, that's justified. And I know people are going, But the league starts in two weeks. And I get that, but with the way football is now and the way the transfer window is, you don't need to have a fully settled squad and signed squad by the time the week comes around. What you can sometimes do actually is use the first couple of games in the week to go, Ah, right. I didn't realize we needed someone there or I didn't realize this isn't working so I need to bring another body in.
1: I was going to say exactly that. You know these these opening games will be a learning curve that hopefully by the time the transfer window shuts we've made moves in an attempt to, you know, put these sort of queries to bed. And what? if if then we're satisfied by the squad come the end of the transfer window, cool. If that's not the case, then okay, maybe we should have done some more business, but Ultimately, like you say, if come the end of August we're sat here raging that Hearts haven't got the finger out, then so be it. But let's let's take our time for once and see how it works in comparison to previous transfer windows where it's been, you know, with all due respect, woeful.
0: That's that's totally totally fair. Uh, a game where we may be able to see where we need new bodies in is final talking point of the show tonight. As we go live tonight, and potentially as you after to listening to this, we play Still Albion in the third game of the Premier Sports Cup. A Still Albion that has come out of nowhere and is unbeaten currently, doing incredibly well. They beat um Cove Rangers in their first game 3-2 in quite a shock win. And then they drew 2-all with Inverness and won the extra point as well in the penalty shootouts in a 5-4, I think it was. So obviously, we still expect to win. We still expect to win comfortably, but have you maybe re-evaluated your predictions for the the game after seeing how well they're doing?
1: Oh, no, I've, I've I've been long aware of the Bino's capabilities ever since I discovered that my great-grandfather, God rest him, was a Sterling Albion fan back in his heyday. So why that was the case, I have no idea. Um, I, I need to get clarification from my, my grandad But yeah, they're, they're a club I've always had a, a wee sort of or I've kept an eye out for. Um, but they're absolutely flying. Um, and a couple of ex-jambos that we need to be wary of all of a sudden. Yeah. Dale Carrick, uh, Nathan Flanagan, the boy, uh, Dylan Bikey or BK. Yeah, Dylan Bikey. What, yeah, yeah, one yeah. of the most pointless Hartman signings. The man
0: <laughs> that we signed just so Hibbs couldn't. <laughs>
1: that <laughs> one, was it. One of the, the pattern 11. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I caught kind of glimpses, I saw the boy Dylan Mackin's free kick up yeah. at Inverness, and it was yeah. an absolute screamer. Um, so, listen, they may be League 2, they may be part-time, but they could pose a threat if we're not careful, and listen, we talked about proofing the pudding. That's what? Four points, I think, from the... No, five points. With five obviously winning Winning the yeah. bonus point with the shootout. So, a top of the table clash against Stalling Albion I mean I never thought I'd usher those words
0: I thought when you looked at the group I thought they'd be bottom oh like, the whipping boys easily. 100% yeah yeah definitely Um Cove have just had a nightmare they've, they've they scored? had a nuke man they honestly one. they
1: scored one I, I, I couldn't believe they lost to Peter Head as well yeah that was a it's shocker just, yeah, no. I, I expected so much more from Cove
0: it's just the group's been very very weird um But I'm very much the same as you. I lived in Sterling for four and a half years when I was at uni, so I also have a soft spot for them. Um, I really, really hope they do well. Obviously, Harry Stone was at them last season as well and apparently did very well when he was there. Um, However, we should still have enough. The kind of main big question is, do you think we'll keep the same team that played against Cove, Sunderland and Peterhead, or do you think now that we've won the first couple of games we'll start to see more of youth. We'll still have kind of a core of experienced first teams, but we might have, for example, Henderson starting, Connor Smith starting maybe, Pollock will probably keep his place, plays like
1: that. I'm intrigued to see what will happen with Josh Janelli. I, I feel as though we'll kind of revert the changes that we made for Sunderland and probably go back to the Cove team because I don't think there's any real justification in dropping kind of the... I guess the the quintet in midfield and attack, if you like. I think Paul and Halliday are worth or worthy of another run out rather. Um GMS and Gino, you could apply the same to Liam Boyce. You've obviously got GMS and Boyce, two and two in this competition. They'll want to keep that momentum going. Um, so no, I'd, I mean potentially a kind of change or two at the back if any but to be honest I'd, I'd be happy or content with the the Cove 11 getting that same chance away at the Albion what about you?
0: I'm pretty much the same we know that uh, Armand Nandwele will be back in the squad for the game as Robbie Nielsen confirmed that today that's uh, good. It, was, it was a mild thigh problem that they just again went it's a friendly against Sunderland there's no need to chuck him out there in case he picks up something else or it gets
1: worse so He's fully back. A sensible decision regarding an injury. Know, we're taking our time with transfers. What's going on? It's. I think this is it. Hearts fans are just not used
0: to this, so automatically go, this is bad. Like We don't like change. Exactly. Just keep being the usual shit we're used to, and then we can complain. That's the cycle. <laughs> You're breaking that, what he's doing.
1: That's um, right. Build the optimism. The optimism quickly evaporates. It turns into rage. And then do just enough toward the end of the season to have us then optimistic at the start yeah. of the next season. And then it goes round and round and round. Well, simultaneously picking up bodies in the summer, bodies in January, because we've been so rank up until then. And then these guys come in, lose a couple, get absolutely no money in for them whatsoever. Oh, what a, la- what a club. I miss <laughs> this so much. Amazing.
0: It's absolutely fantastic. Can I trouble you for a score prediction?
1: You got it right last week. You got it right. I did. I'll take that. Um, I've had two no hearts in my head all day. We'll go, we'll, we'll go with it. You?
0: Uh, fuck it. I'm going to go with your scoreline last week. I think whilst Albion are doing very well, and I can potentially see us conceding, I'll go with three um, nil. Hopefully, it's just a dominant win, and then that's it. The group's done. The group's
1: done already, basically. Like, Look, if we don't beat Inverness at Tyne Castle as well. I mean, i really... Yeah, really...
0: There's a bigger issue there than just not going through oh. the previous Sports <laughs> Cup. <laughs> um, so yeah, the group's basically done. But yeah, our podcast is also done. Thank you very much for joining us. We hope you've enjoyed it. Fuck you, Adam, for springing the Sunderland top on me without letting me know ridiculous but we hope you have enjoyed it whether you've been listening we are at perth to paisley on all good podcast platforms please leave us a review on your platform of choice it really helps algorithms and it really just shows that you're uh, enjoying the show the same on youtube you can see the fucking i keep pointing the wrong way there the Sunderland top and my lovely 1986 scotland training top um leave us a like subscribe on that leave a comment if you want to have either anything for us to speak about reviews of the show all of that really really helps engagement all our socials are on the bottom of the screen but if you're not watching you're just listening we're pet on all the social media pet at gmail.com if you want to fire us over an email as well for a topic or just a general chat adam where can people get you on social
1: media people can get me on all the socials at adam t Kendall. and yourself mate i
0: at Dean 22 we'll be back next week to speak about all the fallout from the games and we'll also be giving our season predictions ahead so join in for that it'll be class we might even have new sign-ins to speak about we probably won't though it's too hot I hope you've enjoyed the show bye bye keep the faith
1: Monday JITs